As we get ready for this morning's message, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we are, our hearts are full. We're just so thankful that we, we are loved by the King. You love us. We, we struggle with that, Father. We struggle understanding it. We are sinful, but God, you made a way to restore that relationship through the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. So, Father, we say thank you. We thank you for new life, Father, that we would all run in the new life and the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, just fill yourself into us so that we could just live for you and be obedient to you. And Father, I just thank you for your radical love for us. I pray, Father, for those in this community that are hurting and sick. I know there's uh, several this last week just hearing about cancer and their bodies being uh, full of cancer. So Lord, we just, we just pray you come alongside of them. We pray, Father, as the body of Christ, that we would encourage them and lift them up. And, and, and Father, we just pray for your will to be done. But God, we pray for also open doors to, that you would use us to share the hope of Jesus. Because there's always hope with Jesus Christ. So Father, we just pray that we would rest in you. And, and Father, draw us into your presence this morning. We love you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and pull them out. Uh, we're going to be in uh, Acts chapter uh, 16 today, Acts chapter 16. Uh, we've been walking our way through the book of Acts and just kind of seeing what it's teaching and how it's moving and really the, the more of a hunger for the Holy Spirit in our church. That's what I'm praying for, that we would hunger for the Spirit's presence in our lives. Last week we were in Acts chapter 12. We saw Peter get rescued by the, the angel of the Lord and we saw him crying out to and go visit the people of God that have been praying all through the night. There was these households that have been praying in Acts chapter 12, and, and that's what we are called to be, praying for one another, lifting each other up, and, and interceding on behalf of the body. And so as we have need, we need to lift each other up. I pray that God is, your prayer life is kind of, kind of reinvigorated, that God's just kind of using you, and we would be on our knees for the Lord. Today, we're going to see in Acts chapter 16, changed lives. We're going to see three changed lives. And we just saw a bunch, a whole bunch of changed lives up here. And we say, praise God for every changed life for Jesus. That's awesome. And the deal is, I want you to know, at this point in Acts, um, this is going to be, last week we were with Peter, today's going to be Paul and Silas. They're going around sharing the good news of Jesus. That's what they're showing, the gospel. And the gospel was exploding at this time. It was taking off. It was, you know, and it, he, why, why was it exploding? Was it because of a bunch of people with PhDs in, 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 in theology? No, it was exploding because of a bunch of average, ordinary people sharing the gospel, sharing the testimony of what Jesus was doing in their life. And so, friend, all of these testimonies, uh, th that's new life in Christ. Every one of us that's in Jesus, we have a testimony to share with this community about the power of Jesus Christ. That's the expansion and the explosion of the gospel. And that's what God wants to use us as he changes lives. We have a story to tell, too. So I pray that we would remember what's the story that God has given you to share with this community about the power and the praise and the, and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And so I want you to know if you're new and visiting today, sometimes you might go to church or you come here and you're like, why are they always talking about Jesus? Okay, why are they always talking about trying to get me to be saved? And, and, and you know, I want you to know, friend, because I'm just, just like you, Jesus has absolutely transformed my life. 
You know, when you surrender to Jesus, he truly, it truly makes a difference. It doesn't mean that we don't have hard days. Everybody up here on the stage, everybody that got baptized has hard days too. It just means we have hope. We have hope in a risen Savior uh, because of the blood of Jesus Christ. So friend, I want you to know if we didn't tell you about Jesus, you should cause question because Jesus is just that important in my life. And so that should be true for us that we, for those that believe in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So we're going to look at these changed lives. The first one we're going to see is Lydia. If you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 16, it'll be on the screen if you want to follow along as well. We're going to kind of make our way through, see these three changed lives. And then I just got a few things that I want us to take home about this, this uh, passage today. So the first thing is in verse 11 is where I'm going to start. So setting sail from Troas, we made direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city in the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained there some days. This is Philip, and uh, this is um, also Paul, and they are in Philippi. It's an important Roman city. This, the, they would have these hubs, these Roman sinners, and they would use a lot of times their retired guards, and they would keep them dressed up as soldiers, and they would kind of keep things running in the Roman and way. And Philippi was a very important city that uh, Paul was visiting. And so he stayed there a couple days. This is what it says. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we, were, uh, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come uh, together. So what happens is they, it's the Sabbath, they want to go, there's no synagogue, so they go to the place of prayer. The place of prayer in a lot of these communities was always down by the river. So they headed down by the river, and this would have been a place that would have been safe for Paul to start talking about Jesus, to start telling his faith about Jesus, right? As you go into a new community, a lot of times when they go into a war, was example, they would find a, a called a, like a foothold or a, a dugout. That would be the place where they would start, and then they could spread out from there it would be safe. So Paul and Silas are sharing their faith and start talking about Jesus to all these people that have gathered to pray. That's kind of what's going on because it's a safe place to pray. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of uh, Titaria, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. Now, I want you to see here what we know about Lydia. Lydia was a wealthy businesswoman, okay? She was a, um, had clothing and these purple dyes. I'm telling you, it was a very expensive process. They would go and drop by drop by certain sea urchins. They would take the purple dye, put it in a bowl and about a pound of, uh, you know, cotton to make these beautiful clothes. And so she would sell these at a very expensive price. So she, it also tells us when she was wealthy, she was a business owner, she was interested in God. She was kind of checking out God. And maybe that was you, or maybe that's you today. You're just kind of checking out the things of God. You're kind of interested a little bit, but she wasn't a believer in Jesus. She was going to the prayer meetings, kind of checking it out, interested. And all of a sudden, God opens her heart to really hear the things that Paul was talking about in Jesus and really preaching about. And she gives her heart and her life over to the Lord Jesus. Another reminder for us is sometimes it's scary to share our faith. All we're called to do is to share our faith. God, we leave the results up to the Lord, right? That's his job. We just would be faithful in sharing the good news about who Jesus is and the change and what he's doing in our lives. That's what we do. And so this woman, Lydia, her life is changed, transformed. And then it says, um, and after she was baptized in her whole household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. 
This woman, um, her life has changed. She turns her life over to Jesus. She goes in and is baptized. I love that her whole household is baptized. We see that with two of these people today that have changed lives. Sometimes when people um, come to, they send their kids to like a vacation Bible school or maybe like to Awanas on Wednesday nights. Well, that's just a starting point because then all of a sudden they're saying, what are you learning? And they also get, hey, the family shows up and we're interested in the things of God. And that's something that I've been missing in my life. And so we see the whole family come to Jesus. It's very powerful. And then we see her change life. She says, if you trust that I know the Lord is my Savior, then you would come and visit me. So she all of a sudden has this beautiful home and she says, come, I want to welcome you. I want to serve you. I want to provide for you. And it becomes this launching place for missionaries. This is the result of a changed life. So that's number one, Lydia. Let's look at number two. We're going to see this, this called a slave girl. And I want you to know most scholars say that this girl would have been a teenage girl, okay? So this is what's going on. It says, as we were going to the place of prayer, Paul and Silas are heading again to the place of prayer. We were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and uh, us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And she kept doing this for many days. So she had a demonic spirit in her. She was making these men a lot of money. And the thing about her was she, was, she had no money herself. She had no control. She, she was a slave to the, whatever they wanted, how they controlled her time and her, her resources, everything. She had nothing. But the thing about her, she was a little bit off. She was like a little bit like not there mentally. She was kind of, this would have described her as a little bit kind of like crazy. And people were very fascinated by this. They would pay big money to hear from her that she might direct them to something in their future or something about their life because they believed that her mind was gone and another God or another spirit had come and taken over her mind. She might talk in a high voice, kind of like a ventriloquist a little bit, and people paid big money. Money. Well, all of a sudden, she's following Paul and Silas around saying, hey, you are the servants of the Most High God, and they proclaim to you the way of salvation. And the scriptures even say to us that demons absolutely know that there is a God and God is real, but they just don't want to listen to God, right? So here, they, she's calling out the truth, but she's doing it in kind of a mocking way, kind of making fun of them a little bit after day after day. This is something I kind of enjoy because we, we all think Paul is kind of like this amazing, and he is. He wrote most of the New Testament. Paul is incredible, but he got sick of it. He got frustrated with it. And I just think that that's kind of, we see this humble, this humility, this, this average Joe kind of piece to it. It says, Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, oh, you sweet little thing. No, she, he said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her that very hour. The power of Jesus. Literally, this demonic spirit is gone. And flee this woman has her, this teenage girl has her life back. She has her thoughts back, her mind back. She's restored her time, her freedom back. That's a good thing, right? It's definitely a good thing for her, but it wasn't such a good thing for those that were making money off her, right? They're going to be kind of frustrated about that. So it says, but when the owners saw, verse 19, saw that their hope of gain was gone, they saw, seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews and they're distri disturbing our city. 
they advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or to practice. So all of a sudden, their livelihood gets messed up. What do they do? They say, we're going to bust you guys. They bring them before the magistrate and they start saying, they're not good for our town. They're just not good people. They kind of say, wait a second, they're not doing things the Hebrew way. And everybody starts to join in. And the, you know, it says these, um, the crowd joined in and attacking them and the magistrates tore their garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. So he goes and he says, these guys are bad. They start beating them. They rip their clothes and they get no trial. They, don't, they get accused, falsely accused, and then they get thrown into jail. And when they get thrown into jail, they tell the jailer, make sure you take care of this one. And so he puts them in the inner cell, not the ones that were kind of convenient. He says, no, you go down that cold one, that dirty one, that smelly one we never clean out, you go there. And then we put them in stocks. And stocks, I'm just telling you, would have been incredibly uncomfortable. You would have had to sleep in an you know, upright position. If you got to lay down, you never got to turn over. So you were in a very uncomfortable position. And that's what the jailer was told to do. And so we see this woman, uh, the girl, the slave girl, has nothing. She's really not interested in God, she's, um, but she's still freed from this demon. And we see the, the power of Jesus there. So now we're going to see the third one, which happens to be this jailer. So if you go on, let's continue on. Paul, Silas, beat up, falsely accused. Are they going to be bitter? Are they going to be angry? Let's see what they're doing. Verse 25, it says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. So they were praying. Paul says, you know what? This is frustrating. I'm going to pray out to God. God, would you just use this situation that I'm in? Lord, would you just kind of allow us to heal these wounds? God, he just goes into this prayer. And then Silas says, I'm going to sing. He says, amazing grace. He sings, my chains are gone, right? He's, you know, proclaiming that over the Christ. He's just singing the things of God and the scriptures to their mind everybody's listening. The jailers are listening. You know, the, the prisoners are listening. Everyone's listening to this, the, the testimony of Christ. And it says, and suddenly there was a great earthquake. So the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. So this region would have been known to have earthquakes. It would have been actually somewhat common. So they had, in the jails, they had these kind of brackets outside the doors on each side, and they would put a log or a post or a thick piece of wood that would hold the door from opening. Then this earthquake comes, and it probably breaks off one of the brackets or, or shakes the wood post out of the door. The door is open. The, the, the stocks come free. So we talked about this last week. Whenever a jailer doesn't keep their jail, the, the person in prison that they're supposed to be, what happens? They face the punishment. Last week when Peter was freed in Acts chapter 12, 16 people, those soldiers that were guarding him, were killed. So this jailer knows what's coming for him, the, sees the doors that are open, let's see what happens. And when the jailer awoke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice. He knows what's coming. I have to bear this punishment. He says, wait a second, do not harm yourself for we're all here. 
And the jailer called for the lights and rushed in, trembling with fear. He fell down before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? He runs in and he says, Why? How are you guys still here? The door was open. I just, I'm the one that locked you up. I kind of, you know, rubbed your, elbowed you a little hard last night and you're still here. He runs in and falls down before them. He's so humbled that they would stay and see this through. And then, you know, he says, all that you were talking about last night in your prayers and your songs before the Lord, I heard that. Whatever you've got, that Jesus that you've got, I need. He says, what must I do to be saved? And he says, um, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in the house. And he took them that same hour of the night and washed their wounds. So he, he washes their wounds, Paul and Silas's wounds. And then baptized at once, he and all the family, the whole family gets baptized, wonderful. And, um, and then he brought them into his house, set food before them, and he rejoiced all along with his entire household that he had believed in God. Incredible, okay? We see, so we saw these three people that we see. We see this girl, Lydia, this woman who has money and wealthy, and she's kind of, you know, considering the things of God, interested in God. And she comes and meets Christ and her life has changed, baptized, and we see her response. We see this teenage girl, right? And she literally gets freed from this demonic spirit. She's freed in the name of Christ and we see power. And then she doesn't have anything to give and she's not even interested in the Lord, but we see her receive the Lord. And then the Roman jailer was kind of like what I would call middle class. He was just a hard working and he was kind of confused spiritually, maybe considering the things of God, like I hear what you guys are saying, but I didn't grow up that way. And his life is radically changed and the whole family is baptized and comes to Christ. So what do we learn from this? The first thing that we, I want us to see, kind of what we learn, is I want you to know that we need to share the gospel. Why do we need to share the gospel? And who do we need to share it with? Anyone and everyone. It doesn't matter how much you have in your bank account. It doesn't matter, you know, if you're, you know, what you drive. It doesn't matter if you're religious or not religious. It truly just matters if Christ can break through the walls of any life. And that's what we need to remember. We need to share the love of Jesus Christ because Christ can transform any life. And that's what we see here between this this woman, this teenage girl, and this jailer. Christ can transform any life. And that's the first thing I want you to see. The second thing I want you to know is that when we meet Christ, when we surrender and we sit down in trust of Jesus Christ, it changes our life. We're a different person. Okay, you saw the, you know, there was a lot of excitement when they come up out of the water and we celebrate with them and we want to celebrate with them because it's a new life in Christ. We run with the, Jesus Christ and we see the changed life. The first person, uh, this woman, Lydia, she says, you know what, come to my house and she keeps pressing on them. Gentiles and Jews wouldn't hang out, but they say, you know what, the Gentiles are, the gospel is exploding to the Gentiles. And they, she kept saying, if you think we tr- I've trusted Jesus Christ, you come over. And then she uses her home as a launching pad for missionaries. Everything I have, it changed her life. The same with uh, um, this Roman soldier. Do you see that? This big, tough Roman soldier. He, he says, you know what? I'm going to dress your wounds. 
He falls down before them. His life had been changed. He says, I'm going to take care of your wounds, and then I want you to come over to my house. He says, I don't have a lot, but I'm going to give out my very best. He puts out all this food, and then they rejoice in the Lord for their salvation. So you come away, when you know Christ as your Savior, you're changed. Do you, has it been a while? Have you remembered your, your faith in Christ and your receiving Him? Have you, do you feel changed today? Has God softened your heart? Have you become more generous? That now you realize everything I have, Lord, is yours. It's all yours. So use it for your glory. And we see that in these changed lives. The third thing I, you know, I want you to know is that God can also use our difficult hardships. We go through hard times. We all do. In this life, we will have troubles. So friend, we, we understand that there's difficult times. Maybe things aren't lining out just like you thought they would. You know, maybe the bills are getting kind of hard and the economy and you're like, wait a second, how am I going to pay for this? And, you know, and that relationship isn't working out and my, my health is really bad. How are you going to turn this around, Lord? Well, even through that hardship, the Lord may be using you as a testimony to his goodness. He may be using it just like Paul and, si uh, Paul and Silas. They were beaten. They were falsely accused. They, you know, they were you know, thrown into jail and suffering and pain and anguish. And this, God still used that for his glory. He says, you know, the people were hearing the testimony of Christ as they were singing songs and, and praising and praying out to the Lord. So friend, you might be, whatever you're going through right now, as you hold on to the Lord Jesus, you might be the greatest testimony someone else needs to see right now. They might need to see Jesus in you. And how are you doing that? How are you holding on to your faith and what you're going through? Man, whatever you're going through, I need that in my life. And someone might ask you about how to have a relationship with Jesus. The fourth thing I want you to see from this story, I think it's abundantly clear, is that the grace of God is powerful. It's amazing. It's radical. It's earth-shaking. The grace of God, when you understand the grace of God, it is unbelievable. You know, uh, here's the one thing that we all have in common in here, friend. Every one of us, we're all sinners. And that separates us in this relationship from God. We all have a way back to, we all have a solution, and that is in Jesus Christ for every one of us, that he lived the perfect life. He is the son of God. He died in our place. The death that we deserved, he died a painful death for you and for me. Friend, when you understand that, you can't help but not be blown away by the amazing grace. You see, this jailer saw that and felt that. When he saw that the, the doors were open, he thought, oh, my life's over. It's over. And Paul says, no, no, we're all still in here. Turn on the lights, come in. And he sees them and he's like, whoa, you, take, you, you saved my life. And he falls down before them. And his life is radically changed. He goes and washes their wounds. He could taste the grace of Jesus. Whatever you got, I need. So friend, we need to know that the grace of Jesus Christ, if you've trusted, if you sat down, put your full weight of your life on Jesus Christ, his grace is radical. It's amazing. And friend, when you've tasted it, you can keep testifying to the power and the grace of God. The last thing I want you to see from this passage is that because of that amazing grace, friends, we should be people as Christ followers that exude and overwhelmed with joy. You know, as people were jumping up and down in, the, in the, the baptismal, friend, that's because 
It's the grace of God. He's so good. I'm saved. You know, and do you remember that in your own life? You know, that joy that we should be living with, it should spill out of our lives. Do you see what they were doing um, at the end of that passage? He says they were having this wonderful meal and they kept rejoicing over their salvation. They just kept rejoicing. The whole family, Lord, is by your grace. By, uh, thank you for what you've done in my life. I trust you. Your grace is overwhelming. We should be people full of joy. Sometimes I don't think we live like that. Sometimes I think we, we remember, okay, yeah, I was saved, and now I'm just kind of living the Christian life, right? I'm just getting through the Christian life. And I'm not saying everything has to be perfect and you have to be happy all the time because happiness depends upon circumstances. Joy doesn't. God gives us joy. Joy is in our salvation that we are saved through the blood of Jesus Christ. So we don't have to have perfect lives to have joy. But friend, when we know Jesus, it should fill us with a living hope, a living joy that spills out of us. I heard this, uh, read this story in a book by Max Lucado this last week. And it was about this guy who was a Scottish man, and he was over in Europe, and he was going to take a voyage to America to try to make something of himself. And so he scrounged up. He only had a little bit of money. He scrounged up what money he had to buy a third-class ticket on this ship to get over to New York. It was about a two-week voyage, but he only had a little bit of money left over. So he decided in order to save his money, he was going to eat really cheap on the ship. So he went before getting on the ship, and he bought this huge box of crackers. And then he bought this huge block of cheese. He said, I'm going to eat this on the two-week voyage over to uh, New York. Well, he got on the ship, and he was incredibly hungry. And he was looking in, and he watched these people eat three, these hot meals, these lovely meals. And he was like so hungry. And the sea air kind of started to make the crackers kind of moist and gross. And the cheese got really hard. And he said, I am sick of this. I have a little bit left. I, he asked this waiter as he was walking by, he says, how much for one hot meal? And he says, sir, do you have a ticket to be on this ship? He said, yes, I've got a ticket. And he pulls out his ticket and he says, that ticket, every ticket for the ship comes with three hot meals every day. We've had a seat in there the whole time with a meal waiting for you. You've just never shown up. And friends, sometimes how, that's how I feel like we are living our lives. We're just living on cheese and crackers. Oh, God is good. Yep, he's just, he's good. I'm, I've been saved. Yep, I'm good. You know, friend, no, Jesus has transformed our lives. We should be exuding with joy, with the hope of Christ. We, you know, it's like getting this full hot meal that's been waiting for us the whole time. We have the hope of heaven with a Lord and Savior that he has promised us for those that put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I want to give you two verses. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you have joy, friend, this morning? Is the hope of Jesus overflowing out of your life? Because this community needs to hear a testimony of Jesus. We need more uh, Christ followers to be an example of Christ. The other verse I wanted to share with you is Psalm 1611. It says, you have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy on your, uh, in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Friend, we've got hope. We've got hope in Jesus Christ. 
And friend, we see three radically changed lives. May we be people that share the gospel, the good news of Christ. When we have Christ and we've trusted Christ our Lord and Savior, we come away changed. God's whittling away at those hard edges and softening us for his grace and his mercy. He wants to use what you have for his glory. And friend, may we also know that he uses hardships in our lives to be a testimony to his power, his might, and his love in us. And I want you to know his grace is so good. His grace is so good, and we should be full of joy because of his grace. Amen? Let's give him a hand. Yes, God is so good. Would you pray with me? Let's close in prayer. God, thank you that you would transform and save us sinners through the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, we just we turn our lives over to you. For anyone who hasn't trusted in you as their Lord and Savior, they've been curious and thinking about the things of God. Or maybe you weren't even curious today, but you're like, wait a second, I need Jesus. Lord, may we just turn our life over to you. We receive you. The greatest gift we could ever receive is putting our faith and trust in Jesus and receiving the eternal hope that you've been promised us for, for, to live with you forever and ever with a risen Savior in Jesus Christ. God, we love you. Father, for those that are broken or going through hard seasons right now, would they hold on to the hope of Jesus? Would they, even in our prayer lives, we don't like to go through hard times, but Lord, may you use it for your namesake, may you use it for your glory. Use us, each one, to be a testimony of the goodness of God. Thank you for these baptisms. What a reminder it is to have new life, new life in Jesus. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hear the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Have a blessed week.